Welcome to Grace Covenant Church, D.C. You're listening to our weekly sermon podcast. We hope that you enjoy this message. Good morning, everybody. Again, my name is Pastor Rich. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Covenant, and uh, hope you had a good week. I normally don't get to do this. I know normally guest speakers do this, and uh, I don't know everybody in the room where we have new faces all the time and new people, and I haven't had a chance to meet everybody, so I wanted to actually... For those of you who don't know me and my wife and my, my two kids, I wanted to show you guys a picture of my family on the screen here and introduce them to you guys. So this is a picture of my family for you guys that don't know. Um, <laughs> all the way to the left here is my wife. You can see she has a beautiful big smile. And then next to, to, the, to the right of her is my daughter. And then that's me right there. And then in the bottom next to my, on my left, or I guess all the way to the right, is my son Jackson. He just turned one year old. He just turned one years old. And uh, my daughter drew this picture at school a couple weeks ago. And I was like, it's like, Hope, which, which one is me? She's like, the one with the big stomach. <laughs> so Chris, I guess I do look like Santa Claus. I don't know. This is, um, <clears throat> this is my motivation for 2020 right here. This is my screenshot. Merry Christmas, everybody. So there's a couple of things that I might say today in this message that I'm, 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 I'm conscious that, uh, that there are some young children in the room. So I try to be sensitive to it. Um, but this, is, this one's for the kids. Kids, I got good news for you. Christmas isn't over. Christmas isn't over. Parents, you're welcome. All right. <laughs> You know, Chris said it earlier, right? We hear this all the time. Jesus is the reason for the season. But Jesus is kind of the reason for every season. <laughs> I can't think of a season in which Jesus is not the reason for. And I don't want us to be like that kid. And, and I've been that kid, and you all know that kid, and you might have that kid where you, you get a present, you get a special delivery, you get a gift, you open it up, you scream, you smile, you play with it. You enjoy it, and then two hours later, you move on to the next thing. And it breaks my heart when I know that people build up in this Christmas season, and the focus is Jesus and what God has given to us. But let us not be like that kid who enjoys Jesus for a moment, but then we kind of get focused on the next thing. We're already thinking about New Year's and my New Year's resolutions, and then I'm thinking about February, and oh my God, am I going to have a date for Valentine's Day or husbands? You know, I I doubt you're thinking about it, but you should be thinking about what you're going to get your wife for Valentine's Day, and then you're thinking about spring break because you can't wait for the weather to turn back to somewhat nice weather for about a week because that's what spring is in D.C., and then then you're thinking about summer vacation. Next thing you know, it's kind of like you swing back into it, and you just focus on one thing after another, and my hope is that after today, we all feel a little more encouraged to celebrate Christmas all year. That Christmas isn't just something that caps the end of a year, even though it is in the month of December, but it's something that that helps us gain momentum and thrusts us into the new year with Jesus as the focus and the center of everything. I wish December was the first month of the year. But Christmas celebrated the start of something, not the end of something. And so today we are, I want to say we're wrapping up our series, but you know, dad jokes, we are unwrapping our final installment of the series, Special Delivery. And we're going to continue with that. And if there's a subtitle for it, it would be called, Now What? 
Now what? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, help us. Help us this morning. God, help me get out of the way to communicate what you want. God, I pray that your voice would be most prominent, that your word would be louder than anything that they hear this morning. And I pray that even as we search the scriptures and apply wisdom to our lives, that ultimately we don't miss you in the process. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to read to you all in uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. It's going to be on the screen for you. And in the first week of our series, this is actually the first scripture, verses 1 through 12, that Pastor Donnell started off the series with. So we're going to kind of wrap it up with the same one. <coughs> Excuse me. In verse 1, it says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find them, report him to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So you're package has been delivered. Now what? This whole month we've talked about special delivery and Pastor Donnell unfolded over the past few weeks and it was really twofold. One is this, this kind of a, you know, not really a spoiler alert. Jesus is the special delivery, but he's the special delivery that has delivered us from sin. And that was the second aspect of that. And so Jesus has come and he's here. The package has arrived. Now what? I want to look at four different things of what the wise men did that I think we could apply to how we can respond after the packages arrive for us. You guys ready? All right, the first one. They, talking about the wise men, the magi, they were tracking their package. Anybody track their packages? Anybody kind of crazy about tracking their packages? Oh, it left the facility three minutes ago. Okay. <laughs> it's where? No, it should be here. Hello, Amazon? But they were tracking their package via the star. There was a star and they were tracking. And, uh, and Pastor Donnell mentioned this, that it could have been up to two years before they actually showed up to, to present their gifts to Jesus. It's not exactly known, but we know this, is that when we started in verse 1, it said, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, then the Magi went to Jerusalem to Herod. So Jesus was already born. The package was already delivered, but they were still tracking it. 
You guys ever have a package delivered and it says delivered and you are kind of somewhat sort of tracking it, but when you get to your home, you, you kind of look around and say, where's my package? See, they showed up to Jerusalem saying, where is the king that was born? And he still wasn't there, but they had to track Jesus a little further. So my question, if they track their package, the question for you is, how are you tracking Jesus? How are you tracking Jesus? Are you intentionally looking for Jesus in every aspect of your life? The same way, I mean, if you, if you order something that's valuable and important, you track that thing every step of the way. You have alerts sent to you. And can I tell you guys, it's so easy to lose track of Jesus in our lives. It's a lot easier to lose track of him than to keep track of him. Oh, it's easy to keep track of God when, when, when you get a promotion. Something good happens. What do you say? Look at God. You're tracking him. But what, what happens when you lose your job? Look at the devil. And I'm not saying that God caused you to lose your job, but do you know this? It is possible for you to track Jesus in every sing, single situation in your life. Where is Jesus at work in you losing your job? Where is Jesus at work in that promotion? Where is Jesus at work in that illness or that friend or that family member who's just always sick or hurt or injured or that child that's having trouble in school or that thing that you want that you feel God wants for you but you're not quite getting it yet? Are you still tracking Jesus every step of the way or have you lost track of him? You track what's valuable. So practice tracking Jesus in everything. Here's the second thing they did after their package was delivered. Number two, they bowed down and worshiped. Are you worshiping the right gift? You know that word worship, a lot of times we can kind of just say, well, I, don't, I, I worship God, I don't worship anything else. But when you look at the actual definition of what worship is, we do worship a lot of things. And if it's not before God, it's next to God. And in this season, we can get so caught up, we can become consumed with consumerism. We can become, we can focus our, our attention and our efforts towards the holiday decoration or getting that right gift for the kid, which these are all good things. But sometimes we can put more focus on things that don't deserve that amount of focus. See, they recognize that Jesus, the package was delivered and their response was to bow down and worship him. To worship him. To make him a priority. And we've heard it before that what, what has your attention gets your affection. But I want to add something to that. What has your attention the most gets your worship. Because you can give attention to things and that's good. But whatever has the most of your attention, that's what has your worship. So take inventory. Number three, they opened their treasures and presented gifts. And my question is, is what do you give the God that has everything? <laughs> you think it's hard getting your spouse a gift when they share the same Amazon account with you? <laughs> well, at least mine, we share the same bank account. I hope you do too. <laughs> What's this charge? Stop asking so many questions. But what do you give the God that has everything? And I love this. They, they came bringing gifts. And the Magi, we don't know how many they wore, but there were three gifts that were represented here. And it's kind of funny. I think about, um, 
You ever, you ever exchange gifts with someone that's not proportionate? <laughs> like somebody might have gone over the $10 limit for the secret exchange gift. It's like, here's an Xbox. Here's a Hallmark card with a $10 gift to Chili's. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. This happened to me before. I'm not going to tell you what side I was on, but... <laughs> You know, I wondered if they thought the Magi, when they were bringing the gifts to Jesus, I wonder if they thought that they were the only ones bringing gifts. But in hindsight, we have the perspective that we can look and see that the greatest gift that could ever be given was already there before they came with their gifts. So you can't outgive God. But we can try. We can look at what they gave them. And it shows here, I have here, they... They brought three things with them, and, and I bet you they thought they were good gifts, too. Could you imagine the wise men who probably don't think they're as wise now, but they're looking back and thinking, man, Jesus, I got you some gold. And Jesus is like, oh, cool gift, bro. I got you eternal life. <laughs> it's like, it's just unproportionate. But they brought them the gifts anyways, and I think we can learn from this. Because maybe it was never about the value of the gifts but the meaning behind it. You know, a lot of people believe, most believe that those gifts were prophetic and symbolic of three different aspects of Jesus. The gold was the gift to Jesus as king, who we would know him as king. Because, you know, gold. The frankincense was given to Jesus as God. Because the frankincense was often used as an incense in an act of worship to God. I don't know if it was designer incense made by Frank, but it was just frankincense. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I set the bar real low so the other one sounded funnier. Okay. <laughs> but the gold was for Jesus as king. The frankincense was Jesus as God. And the myrrh, most believe, is that it's Jesus as man. Because myrrh was a spice and a fragrance, just like frankincense. But myrrh was often used in the embalming process. This is what you do to bodies after they passed away. So they don't smell bad. And so Jesus as a man was prophetically set to die on behalf of our sin. And so when we look at these gifts, maybe it's not about the value, but what it means. So what do you give to God? What do you, what, what do you give to God that has everything? Something that honors him as king, God, and man. And I think about Jesus, the gift that he gave was himself. So it seems appropriate that the gift we would give him would be ourselves. And Pastor Donnell mentioned this a couple weeks ago. He said, it's not just enough to let Jesus in your heart. You need to give him your whole heart. So thank you, wise men. And then the fourth one, and this one's my favorite one, is they changed their route. So the package delivered, now what? change their route. My question for you is, have you had an encounter with Jesus that has changed your route? It says here at the end with the scripture I read earlier, it says they returned to their country by another route. And I was pondering on this this week. I've read this before, but I never saw that. And I was just thinking about that response that when you have an encounter with Jesus, it causes you to change something about the way you live and the way you go about living. 
Now, see, the wise men, the magi, they all returned back to the same place that they came from. But they didn't go back the same way. In fact, it says here, it says right before that, it says that in having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. There's a new way and a new direction. See, these were wise men, right? They're smart. They were able to track a star. They were able to notice that there was a new star. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I notice a new star and it's just a plane flying by really slow. But these dudes were smart enough to navigate through the desert at night to, to brave the elements. Do you think, do you think for a second that they, that they just kind of started wandering in the desert? Or did they have their own OnStar? They had their GPS to get there, right? They were smart. In fact, they were, they were, they were about it as one of the, boasted as one of the smartest people in the land. So you would think that the calculations that they put into getting there was the safest and the quickest route. I'm doing well. All right. For those of you that didn't know, someone just said, how are you? Thank you for asking. So when God visits them in a dream and says, hey, don't go back to Herod. And they changed their route going back home. They could have easily said, well, God, that's not the quickest way back. Because I came the quickest way. I came the best way. See, there's some smart people. Actually, every one of you are smart in this room. But the second you start to think that what God is asking you to do is not as smart as what you would do for your life, that's where you're no longer a wise person. But they changed their route. Have, what have you changed in your life since you've had an encounter with the special delivery? And if we didn't, I didn't read this, but later on in Matthew, Herod gets hot. That dude gets hot. He gets furious, frustrated, angry, because he hears the fact that the wise men didn't come back to him, but they changed their route and went a different way. How many of you all know when God changes your route, it's not going to make everyone in your life happy? There are some people that are going to be mad and angry that you are no longer going the same way, doing the same things. I want to encourage you, you're not alone. So even as you're thinking about the new year and all the new stuff, what are some ways, what are some routes, what are some paths in your life that you say, man, the same paths always take me to the same places and I don't like being in the same places. I want to go somewhere new. I want to go somewhere different. I need something that is not what I already know. Trust God. But just know this, that path that God may lay out for you may not be the safest and it may not be the shortest. It may even make you upset. But will you trust God with your route? And inevitably, there are special deliveries that are marked return to sender. And at some point, when a package isn't received, it gets marked return to sender. And Jesus was highly effective and fruitful in his three plus years of ministry, but it was never his plan to personally deliver the gospel to every single person in the world. Did you know that? Now, to die for every single person in the world? Yep. But the one to deliver the message? No. 
Only in our imaginations can somebody deliver something to everyone in the world in one night. See how I just kind of, there's kids in the room. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8 through 11, it says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Can I stop there for a second? I know when we read the Bible, we talk a lot about church. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. And that's true. But in a lot of ways, it's a lot about you. That's three you's in less than one sentence. You play a part in the gospel narrative. You play a part in God's redemptive plan for mankind. So when sometimes when you say, oh, it's not about me, it's not about me, don't use it as an excuse for me to not be in the, in the mix. To be, whether it's serving in church, serving in ministry, witnessing to your friends, sharing the gospel, praying for people in their, praying to their face or praying at home without they don't even know that you're praying. But it says, but you all say, say you, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Look at your neighbor and just say you. Look at your other neighbor and say you too. It's you. So the special delivery was delivered and it stayed for 33 years and was returned to sender. Not even Amazon Locker would hold your package for that long. And I love this picture that Jesus, as he basically just kind of, I don't know, floats away, disappears. He returns back to God. He returns back to God. And there's an angel there, or there's two people dressed in white, which we believe are angels. And they just kind of nudge him. It says, after they said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up to the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who had been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So you can see it that the disciples are looking out and half of them are probably like, what, what just happened? He's gone again. But he just told him to do something, didn't he? He said, you'll be my witnesses. And I could just see those angels there. And I know it doesn't say it, but it's kind of like, hey, what, are you, what are you looking at? It's almost as if they're saying, hey, guys, it's, it's, it's not going to happen here. It's going to happen here. Stop looking up and looking down. Look at the people. You have a mission. You have a mission. And Jesus was remarked, was marked, returned to sender. And this was what's so amazing about the kingdom's delivery system, KDS, not UPS, is that anyone, don't miss this, anyone who receives a package in the kingdom becomes empowered to deliver that package. It's not a, oh, I'm not an employee. I don't work for the church. I'm not a minister. In the kingdom's delivery system, whatever you received, you're empowered to deliver. If you have a problem delivering love, you need to receive some more love. You need to receive forgiveness so that you can give forgiveness, even to the ones that you don't love. Because remember, we point A, love. Joy, peace.
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all those things you need to receive. And once you're a recipient of it, you can now give it. But even salvation. See, Jesus went from sent to sender. And I know some of you theological experts in here are saying that's wrong. It technically is. Technically, he was sender because Jesus is God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's one God. So when God the Father sent Jesus to earth, he didn't break off a piece of himself and now separate saying, I'm up here and now Jesus is down there. It's kind of hard to understand. A lot of people, it gets confusing. But the truth of the matter is that Jesus is God. So God sends himself. So, so Jesus starts out as the sender, becomes the sent, but before he leaves, he becomes sender again. And he sends two things, you and the Holy Spirit. Jesus never asked you to do something that he didn't already do himself. In John chapter 20, verse 21, it says this, again, Jesus said, because he said it before, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father has sent Jesus, he's sending you. Okay, you don't get it yet. Maybe you do. So the Father sends Jesus, mind blown. Jesus does Jesus' stuff for 30 plus years, mind blown. Then Jesus sends you to do Jesus' stuff. Do you hear what I'm saying? And he's not asking you to do something that he hasn't already done. If, if we say that Jesus is the special delivery, that God sent something special, it's the special delivery. And that's how God sent Jesus to become the special delivery. And if Jesus now says, as the Father sent me the special delivery, now I send you the special delivery. See, the special delivery is not just something you receive. You don't just receive the special delivery. You become the special delivery. I'm not saying you become God. You don't die for the sins of all humanity. But you become carriers of the power of the gospel to set the captives free. You become carriers of the power to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to encourage someone who's down, to love, to pray, to do miraculous and wonderful things. You become the special delivery. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? This whole time, and I know it's accurate, that's you. But deliver it. You got to deliver it. Don't give up on your family member that you think will never come to Jesus. Because they might never come to Jesus. But if just because they don't come to Jesus doesn't mean that you can't go to them. And if Jesus is in you and you carry that special delivery in you, the message of the gospel, the light of the world that pierces the darkness, if you have that inside of you, if there is God inside you, then wherever you go, Jesus goes. So the places that you think that they're never going to come to Jesus... Keep praying, but I hope that you would change your route and say, I, 
this is not working. They're not coming here. How come they're not coming to our church? How come they're not coming to all my invitations? And they're not doing this. And oh man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Stop asking those questions and you become the answer to the prayer that you may or may not be praying. And you go to them. You be the special delivery. I'm so glad that when, for the most part, and I'm probably giving UPS and Postal Service too much praise right now, but I love when they come to my house, they knock on the door, and no one's there. But they leave a little sticker that says, first attempt. We'll be back tomorrow. I pray that you would live your life in such a way that there's always another attempt to deliver this special thing to somebody. And when they don't answer that door, you put a sticker, I'm gonna be back tomorrow. I'm gonna be back tomorrow again. And it may not be every day, maybe once a week, but you'll never, 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 never stop trying to deliver the special gift that lives inside of you until you return to sender. That's the only time you gotta stop trying to deliver it is when you return to sender. You guys have any idea how amazing you are? God used astrology to bring the wise men to Jesus. God can use anything he wants to bring people to himself. And he wants to use you. He wants to use you. And I'll close with this. It's still Christmas, right? Everything that we previously mentioned, all the stories, all the scriptures, all the thoughts, are things that could have easily been missed simply because it never happened before. When you don't know what to look for, it's easy to miss things, isn't it? At his birth in Bethlehem, we saw Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us. It never happened before. At his death and resurrection in Jerusalem, we knew him as God in us. It never happened before. You know, I was thinking it's natural for a baby to grow up and become king. But no one ever saw a king become a baby. It never happened before. And a lot of people missed it. Nobody really knew. They couldn't comprehend or understand that because they, don't, they didn't know what to look for. What are the things that have been missed because we're not looking for it? Maybe you've written off some people because you can't see or imagine them coming to Jesus. Maybe you never let God use you in amazing ways before because you can't see God using you. Maybe you've never seen God do something amazing in you yet, so you don't even know what that looks like. I was watching a Christmas movie and this adult was talking to a kid and he said, how do you know that's true? And the kid said, because I saw it. And the adult responded back and says, I've never seen it before. And the kid said, you ever seen a million dollars? He said, no. Just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Have you guys ever seen God work through you in a way that you know it wasn't you? Have you 
ever led someone to Jesus before? Have you ever been in a moment where you can tangibly feel the presence of God? It's not just your faith and you believe. You actually feel it. Have you ever been in a moment of despair and discouragement? But then the word of God suddenly shows up and quickens yourself to the point where it's like something changes in you. You may have never experienced it, but just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean that that's not true. And I know this is going to get played out in the year 2020, (laughs) not just by the church, but by every organization known to man. But it's going to be the 2020 vision for the year 2020. So let me be the first. But maybe that should be our New Year's resolution for 2020. To let that year be the year that we see things that we've never seen before. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. I ask that you would let us see things that we've never seen before. Please help us see what we've been delivered from, but also what we've been delivered for. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church or to watch video sermons, visit gracecovdc.org.